What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. My mind's playing tricks on me. Why won't it let me be? Look inside and try to find, but nothing seems to give me sweet Self-Helpless with Kelsey Cook, Delaney Fisher, and Taylor Tomlinson. Hey guys, welcome to Self-Helpless. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Taylor Tomlinson. I'm Delaney Fisher. And we are, uh, we're recording an intro right now for an episode that we actually recorded a couple months ago with the great Baron Vaughn. He's an ah, awesome comedian. So yes. Um, and it's been, it's been in our bank and we're excited to release it. Yeah. Very yeah. excited. He's fantastic. Baron Vaughn is a, a fantastic stand-up comic and he's on Grace and Frankie. He's like on. Great show. Yeah. Great show. Such a great Netflix. show. And I swear every time I turn on the TV, he's been in something like as yeah. a guest star. He's been on like so many so different many shows. Um, but I mean, his standup is just so fucking great and yeah. so unique, and it just like ah sucks me in. Impeccable yeah, dresser. And, oh yeah, uh, just, and a just sweet had a guy. Baby. And ju- yes, he's just a new dad. Oh, yay. So and he's cute. just so sweet. Yeah. Such a nice guy. And, yeah, and he gave a- me like a little pep talk. I saw him at the improv maybe a couple weeks ago and i was like getting ready to go out and headline this club that i really wanted to do well at so they'd book me for more clubs and i was just like yeah if you have any advice and he was just like it's your stage like just do whatever you want with yeah it. it's like it's your stage for that time just gave me like a real quick like 30 second and afterward i was like i'm gonna go play football like, <laughs> <laughs> it was very motivating yeah. it was nice yeah and he had a lot of really unique things in terms of self-help to share on the podcast he talks about his experience with um doing ayahuasca which is not something yeah. that any of us have done nor has been talked about on the podcast at all so it was really cool to uh, to hear him talk about that and uh, lots of other stuff so very soothing voice yes oh yeah he's yeah. You were a little spellbound smooth motherfucker yeah <laughs> yeah that he is he is so, beautiful uh, man we're just gonna do some uh, do some reviews and advice questions and then we'll get into the episode so as always please subscribe to self helpless on itunes and give us a five-star rating and review um if you've been listening you know that we are doing a review of the week where we're just doing a raffle because you guys have been sending in so many great reviews where we pick one that we love especially and send you guys a free t-shirt for it so uh which one of you guys is reading it yes um i have this is from 
uh, Mariah Elise. I'm ho- I hope I say that correctly. Uh, and it's it's titled "Did It Work?" with an eggplant emoji <laughs> next to it. I love it. Uh, Kelsey and Delaney are the cool older sisters I never had. Sorry, Taylor, we are too close in age, so you're that high school classmate I desperately want to hate because she's so much more successful than me. But mm. I can't because she's always so nice. I'll take <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you very much for the review. Thanks for listening, and you are the review of the week. So. So nothing uh, more offensive than three white girls. (laughs) 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 Please uh, email your address and what size T-shirt you want to self helpless. And which one? We have two. We have a blue one that says "Crawl in the Direction of Your Dreams." And a black one that says, this is how we live now. So uh, please uh, mail in your address to selfhelplesspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We love you. We love it. We love it. And please leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And then you might get a free t-shirt. You might. Get a free t-shirt. Um, yeah. Uh, or you can buy a shirt uh, at selfhelplesspodcast.com. 25 Absolutely. bucks. We ship it for free. Um, yes. So and that widget is only viewable from a desktop computer. Just a heads up. So, yeah. We've had some emails about that. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of housekeeping. All right. This week's advice question uh, comes from Nick. Says, thank you for being awesome. Feel like I have to say that up front. You absolutely do. If you send us an email. Appreciate it. Make sure (laughs) requirement. My wife has been dealing with some severe depression and anxiety lately. It's really weighing on me because I want to help. Even though I deal with these issues myself, everyone is different. And the things that help me don't always work for her. We listened to your Me Too episode uh, on the way to work this morning. And when I dropped her off, she was laughing, smiling, and happier than she had been all week. Thank you for that. Aw. That's That's awesome. Very cool. What a dark episode to make you happy. I love it. Uh, I'm a comedian myself, uh, and oh, he was at the Idaho Laugh Fest uh, that you both were on. Kelsey oh, that's Delaney. so cool! That's so cool. Uh, I wonder if we've met. Um, yeah, maybe in another in another life and time. Uh, it was this life. It, it, long <laughs> it was that night. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm trying to be cute about this. <laughs> Uh, we just moved to Denver, Colorado. Uh, you did. I'm at the Denver Comedy Works South, uh, <laughs> December sixth through 9th. Yay! Please come Get see there. me. Yes. Uh, it's important. Uh, anyway, sorry. Back to your question. And our local scene is dealing with something that I thought I would ask you guys about. We are having a civil war of sorts because many of the female comics feel that they are not represented enough at shows or in the scene in general. They don't feel like the men are making mics and showcases enough of a safe space for more women to come out and try to get into stand-up. On the other hand, the boys' club says that comedy isn't a safe space. It should be scary. And go home if you can't hack it. I guess my question is, what has been your experience with this issue in a much bigger scene like L.A.? How does this issue get resolved without making too many changes to what has made the Denver scene so great to begin with? Thanks for your time. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Mm. Nick. That's a great question. That was a great question. Um, Personally, I just feel like you have to go to different mics and different places before you find your people that you feel like maybe this can be your buddy and you guys go do stuff together but it's scary it's a it's a really scary thing and you're very vulnerable in the beginning and you're you know everybody's not that great in the beginning and it's it's terrifying but if you can just find a buddy or like bring a friend with you like hey i really want to try this open mic but i don't have any friends in the in the scene yet will you just come with me bring a friend that's not interested in stand-up to come to come with you and, and be your buddy but um yeah and also maybe just start your own mic start your own thing sure Uh, and invite people to to your stuff and that might be a good way to kind of 
immerse yourself in the scene yeah yeah i've never felt like uh i've never felt the whole comedy isn't a safe space for women thing in la i'll be honest uh i think i i guess i'd have to know more about the scene i don't really know anything about the denver comedy scene right um i don't know what they mean by safe space i don't know if you have guys that are like harassing female comics because in which case that is not a safe space that's right up yeah that needs to be addressed and my advice there is just like i don't know kill those guys no don't kill them. <laughs> i'm kidding just you know make sure they know they're dead to you light them yeah. up <laughs> light them up uh, and uh it's it's not manslaughter if it's an accident uh, no i'm totally joking Sage advice. I'm, I'm gonna get arrested uh no i i just like if if it is a thing because there is something to the thing of like comedy should be scary and go home if you can't hack it i do kind of agree with that like especially in the beginning it is scary like if you're going and you just feel awkward and you happen to be a woman and you're like this isn't a safe space because everybody knows each other and they're all dudes comedy is a lot of dudes man like you just kind of got to get comfortable with that if people are like shutting you out or making you uncomfortable because you're a woman or doing gender specific things that's not okay and that's not a safe space but yeah if you're just scared and you want to go to mics and not feel scared you gotta get over that right right because yeah it's just scary i guess yeah i think we all feel the same way where it's like the whole safe space thing we're not exactly sure what specifically they're talking about if it's like oh these jokes are offensive you know then it's like well that's a tough one because yeah you can't run from offensive like they're yeah. gonna be everywhere no matter where you go right I, that skin yeah i know for me personally that the seattle scene which is a, a relatively similar scene to denver in terms of size um was definitely a clicky type of dramatic place and mm. when you move somewhere like la or new york it's too big for any of that bullshit like yeah. that just yeah. stops <clears throat> so i've had people asking me similar things that are in the seattle scene right now and i'm like honestly maybe it's just time for you to go to a bigger scene Ooh. or a different scene but um the sort of weird uh i, I don't know gossipy I, I don't even know how to explain it but just when i was up in that scene a few years ago there was always something going on that really didn't have anything to do with just writing jokes and doing like your fighting? work like yeah that? fighting gossip just like like a reality tv show or something stupid Weird. um and i think it happens in a smaller scene where people know each other more personally um but in la it's like everybody's just there to work you're just right. there to do your stage time um so yeah i How mean comics <laughs> would you say are in seattle oh man because I started in San Diego, and that's a small scene. I would say, I would say, like between like one hundred and maybe oh one fifty. Really? Oh wow! Oh, okay. that's way more than I thought. Yeah, I mean, com- I use the term comedian loosely because there are people who just like are trying to get up at an open mic that don't really know what they're doing that's you know whatever them? yeah i would say including oh, okay. Them. Oh, okay never mind because that's kind of what i'd say about san diego too and i didn't mm. feel like san diego was super clicky because i didn't feel like it was big enough to form clicks mm. yeah i don't know i don't know it's part of the same click yeah um but there's the thing yeah there's great people everywhere there's shitty people everywhere just find the great people that are nice to you that you feel safe with or comfortable with um but another thing is like yeah there's so many dudes in stand-up and if you walk in and you feel like they're they're being clicky they might just all know each other Mm -hmm. better and they've all known each other for a while and they just happen to be a big group of dudes you know it might not be like a women you know versus men thing but it might just be like these guys have been doing this together for a while and you're just a new person right right so i don't know try to find your people or create your own stuff yeah yeah totally yeah Yeah. 
So, All right. Good questions. Well, good though. question. Thank you. And I also loved that he said his wife had anxiety and depression and he was like, I want to help because I have that stuff too, but we're yeah. not all the same. Yeah. I think that's lovely. I that think that is. is great. That's amazing because I think we've all been in relationships where our partner had similar uh, hangups in that right. way, mental health stuff. And sure. It's true. Like, even if you have the same stuff, it makes it easier to understand each other, but you still have to communicate and go, okay, what do you need when you feel this way? Totally. Because yeah. I don't want to be touched when I'm having an anxiety attack and right. you do you know right mm-hmm. yeah good job nick the that's love good languages stuff. good job yes that's where they can come in for sure mm-hmm. yeah, there we go um all right so should we just plug our socials and get yeah. into this episode absolutely so this episode is coming out on uh december 11th uh oh then i've already been to the comedy works i hope you came uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome um that's so that's is embarrassing we're doing uh, this uh in advance <laughs> we we got a lot of a lot of road work in december everybody yeah um, I'm at Kelsey Cook on Twitter, Kelsey Cook Comedy on Instagram, and KelseyCook.com for tour dates. This whole weekend, December 14th through the 17th, I'll be featuring for John Heffron at the Ontario Improv. So uh, that's kind of a local-ish show. Shows, there's six of them if you're in the L.A. area. Uh, come out. John is hilarious. Uh, I am at T Tom Comedy on Instagram. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Self Helpless Podcast. Yes. Uh, we are. Um, I am. I'm sorry. I'm so out of it, you guys. Uh, I'm uh, at Taylor Tomlinson on Twitter. And my website is ttomcomedy.com for tour dates. I am headlining the Helium Comedy Club in St. Louis, uh, December 21st through the 23rd. So if you have family in town and you don't want to hang out with them, bring them to a comedy show. You guys aren't allowed to talk. (laughs) And then uh, Friday, December 29th uh, through uh, December... I think it's the 29th through the 31st. Uh, I am in um, Cleveland, Ohio at Hilarities headlining. Sweet. That's fantastic. Uh, By December 11th, that means I'm a couple weeks into doing no stand-up. So I hope I'm okay. Hope you're doing good. Hope I'm doing good. Uh, (laughs) Hey, future Delaney, how's it going? (laughs) Yeah, hopefully I'm fine. Hopefully I'm not cracking and doing like weird coffee shop shows or like going to the subway station and (laughs) just telling people my bits. Um, But yeah. You know, hopefully, I've, hopefully I'm just trying to en- enjoy myself. Yay. Yay. Oh, yay. Right. Uh, enjoy this episode with Baron Vaughn. Oh, Baron, what is Baron's Twitter? We should plug Ooh, his as well. Yeah. Let's oh, plug hold it. on. Yeah, I think you may have plugged a, it in the show. He's got a lot of followers. Let me take a look. I think he popular. did. I think he did. He is uh, uh, Bar Von Black on oh, Instagram, ba- yeah. right? Bar Von Black. So B-A-R-V-O-N-B-L-A-Q. That's his Instagram. So you can follow him there. And that's his, that's uh, his Twitter, Twitter as well. well. And Twitter. And then Facebook, just type in Baron Von. B-A-R-O-N-V-A-U-G-H-N. Love it. Boom. All right. Enjoy this episode. Talk to you guys next week. Yay. We have a very exciting guest, uh, absolutely hilarious stand-up comedian and an actor. You've seen him on Grace and Frankie on Netflix, Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, Lopez Tonight, <laughs> as we Conan? just discussed yeah. yes, many moons ago. Uh, it's uh, Baron Vaughn, everybody. Hello. Baron Vaughn. 
on. Thank you so much for coming yeah. and doing the podcast. I'm happy to be here. It. I've met all three of you in very different ways, so it's, <laughs> it's interesting to be in one room with all of you. Yeah, how did you guys meet? <laughs> well, Kelsey and I met on the street. You were hanging out with Annie Letterman. You know how I do. Yes. <laughs> on I mean, the streets. That's yeah. the only time, other time we've met. Right. Right. Yeah, and then, yeah. then you and I have done shows together. Yeah. Me and Taylor have done shows together. Me, right. and, me and Delaney have done shows together. So right. it's like, oh, yeah, we did the college tour. Yeah, thing. that weird yeah, tour yeah. in California. That was California. very weird. <laughs> it was weird, but it was like, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we were all like just in the in the green room, like you guys are paying us for. I mean, there's like 30 kids out there. Yeah, really? like, like, mm-hmm. it was crazy lineups. It was insane. Funnier Die did it. Um, nice. But anyway, it was to register voters. It was to register before the voters. election. Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. and we did it up and down California. It was interesting. Huh? Oh, was interesting. oh that's really interesting. And how did you and I meet? We met. At, I think we met the Improv. When I was like maybe a year into stand up, mm. and then we spent more time together at the Cabo Comedy Festival in Mexico. Oh yeah, that's right. right. I had brought that Cabo San Lucas yes. Comedy Festival because yeah. when you go to Cabo San Lucas, you think- which has beautiful beaches <laughs> and time, just silence and time. What you want to do is go indoors to see people that are from the country you left on purpose. Great place to have a comedy festival. God, you're so right. It's Uh, very, I've seen video footage of that. I'm like, so unnatural. I don't think I've ever seen indoors in Mexico. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like everything you see is always just the beach, and now there's just people sitting inside watching yeah. comedy. Yeah, it's very correct. And, and um, they didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, they were being very nice. Yeah, but Who they were like, "Well, the there's sunset. two dollar margaritas." Uh, yeah. some sad but talking. My, yeah. It was a nice free vacation <laughs> for yeah. us, though. Yeah, that exactly. was like it was just like summer camp for comedians. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's kind of like I know you guys came to the beach, but we brought the depression with us <laughs> in the form of hilarious one line. Who's yeah. ready? How about some sad talking? Oh, that's God. that's my. Ever. That's gonna be my first comedy album. How about some sad talking? <laughs> sad talking. Sad talking. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, so um, we usually start off our episodes with a segment called Quotables, in which we talk about a quote that resonated with us or we thought was bullshit. Yeah. You described the quote you brought in as yeah. the most intense quote ever. Yeah, I think it's it. I it it, it I connect to it because I think it it describes what it means to be. Um, not only a comic, I use it for a comic, but an artist in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's this play. It's called The Seagull. It's by mm. Anton Chekhov, right? Russian mm. dude. Okay. He's not with us anymore. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I had the opportunity to do um, an adaptation of it that was called Drowning Crow. And uh, essentially, there's this, um, just to give you a little background story, this is a quote that a man named Trigorin says. Hmm. He's a very famous, established novelist, a writer that lives in Moscow, which is essentially New York, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, all those plays take place in the country, you know, people who, because that's a time where you would just never saw a city like Moscow. Like you just heard about it and you're like, I can't imagine that. Pictures don't exist yet, so I can't look at it. <laughs> right. I yeah. can see your etchings. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if you met someone who, was from that place, you know, had been to that place or or could tell you about that place. It was a whole different world. So there's this character, her name is, um, I think it's Nina. And she's like a young actress. She's like 18, 19. And Tregorgan's supposed to be, I think he's supposed to be like late 30s, early 40s, right? Okay. So there's a flirtation that is inherent there mm-hmm. because there's a little bit of hero worship on her part. Mm-hmm. Because he is someone who's famous and established. And she is someone who is aspiring to be that. Right, okay. And she's basically like, how do I become a better actress? And he's telling her, you have to go to Moscow because you have to live your life. You know, you have to have had things happen to you to be able to turn into a performance, oh. to be able to interpret, right? But then he starts to go into this 
kind of this speech about how it's also a curse mm. to constantly be absorbing everything that happens to you mm. to turn it into art. Oh, yeah. To yes. turn it into a joke, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So she, he, she, he says something like, she asks him, like, what does it mean to be a writer? I can't remember exactly what it is, but he does this thing. He just says, like, uh, uh, it's this constant filter, this constant voice, like I see a cloud, it looks like an old man's beard, I have to take a note, I see a tree, it reminds me of my childhood, I have to write down a note, it could be a story. Mm. I'm a cannibal consuming my own life. Ooh. Oh and that's the my. quote. That's yes. so good. That is really That's so good, I want to get it tattooed on my body. Yeah, that's excellent. <laughs> wow. And that whole setup you described with those two sounds like just like a better version of Fifty Shades. Like, I like what <laughs> to watch, way right? Better. Oh, wow. It is way better. I've never heard that before. Can that's you say a, the quote one more time? I'm a cannibal consuming my own life. Wow. Oh. And it means that you have no peace. No. Yeah. It's Everything constant. that happens, you're trying to be like, oh, how can I turn this into something? Yeah, you're yeah. analyzing you know? constantly. That's what I say to like, you know, writers and people who are constantly working or just like, I got to be inside making scripts. And I'm like, and you could also be living your life. Yeah. Right. Because that's what you actually have to do to be able to have something to speak about. Right. Because right. everyone in that audience has been living their lives. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. if you have been also living a life, then you're going to have something in common with the people that are in the audience. Right. Yeah, that's you crazy. can't. We were just talking about this. Literally outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, we were saying that being on the road, like, if you're not working all the time, then whatever activity you're doing that isn't work, it better be something that you can get material from. Like, mm -hmm. I just. I gave up a weekend of work to go to my high school reunion because mm. I was like, well, it's a once in a lifetime thing and I'm going to get material. And sure <laughs> yeah. enough, like as I was there the whole time, I was like, what did that person just say? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember what that person just said to me. And did it's you get a, any bits? I did, but it's like, yeah. oh, that's so kind of exhausting though, right? It is because you have you that, you have that um, your filter is on. Yeah. You're, you're in work brain. Yeah. And you have to be able to have the times where you're not doing that. Yes. Right. And it's very difficult because they, and when I say they, I mean Hollywood, the industry, right. have created an environment where we feel like we have to constantly be doing things because we're in a constant competition. Yes. 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 It's almost as if they've pit us against each other mm -hmm. yeah. in some sort of way. I don't, I don't never, I, I rarely think these things are coincidental. It's by design that yeah. we've, been, we've been entered into a rat race. Yeah. Yes. And then we slowly, what happens? You become a rat. Yeah. yeah. You become uh, a scavenger. How so old were you when you started doing comedy? Um, 20. You were 20? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So pretty Me too. young. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's so kind of, you guys were like 20, 21, 21, 20, 22. 20, yeah. 21, yeah. 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 I was in high school, like pretty young. And did you feel like ever in those first, like maybe five years, like, Oh my gosh, this guy was in the army before he started doing comedy or like this person's already divorced. Like people had already had these like huge life things happen yeah. and then you were kind of like Well, where did you oh. start? I started in like San Diego. In San Diego, yeah. Kelsey? Um, I've been Washington State. Ugh. <laughs> Santa Barbara. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so I started in Boston. Mm. And so Boston is the number one college city in the country. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly around comics that were 20. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. that were my age, but also there were always comics that were in their 30s and 40s around too. So it was always this big crew of people, and there was such a um, a connection, I guess you could say, to the older generation, 
to the comics that have been doing it 20 years that always had wisdoms to you know lay down not that they were always useful right but that they were available so it's kind of like the idea of oh they're an adult because they were professionals they were pros they were working up and down to Maine like literally making money and for me I remember the first time I saw a comic that just murdered and I thought was so funny and I'd never heard of. It was the first time that I was like, this is a viable option. Right. Like there are people who are funnier than famous people. Yes. Who yeah. are doing yes. this every day and yeah. like, oh, so you can actually be really good and just make a living. You don't have to have all of the credits and all of the fame. So this is a real job that I could possibly have if I want to. Right. But, you know, I, I, yeah, people came from all walks of life. That's sort of one of the things I like about stand-up mm-hmm. is that it's a catch-all. Mm-hmm. That you could have done anything, but at, ultimately you still have to go to an open mic if you want to start. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Matter, I don't care that you have a master's degree <laughs> and a doctorate in biomolecular yeah. engineering. <laughs> that sounds hilarious. Do you have five minutes? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you like- can genetically create a pumpkin, <laughs> but you can't make uh, this woman laugh right here. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Yeah. Oh, man. When you tried it, did you love it right away or did it take some time? It's both. I mean, like the first time I did stand up, I I killed Mm. and I had no idea what happened. It was almost as if I entered (laughs) into like a trance. Yes. And I like was talking and people were laughing. And then I got off stage. People were like, that was great. I'm like, what did I say? Yes. (laughs) I don't know what happened. I just remember seeing my reflection in the mirror at some point. They're like, oh, yeah, that was really funny when you did that. I'm like, I don't know what happened. But then also I still thought that... um, and I think that this is something that is very different now with, with the age of podcasting, where young comedians kind of have insights into stand-up that they, we, I did not have at all. I'd have to be hanging out and um, you know next to a dude who is an alcoholic and probably can't be 100 feet within a school to find <laughs> out the wisdoms of like, you know, right. what, what you do is you do jokes, and then you do those jokes again until they work. I just yeah, thought yeah. everyone's improvising. I have to have a completely different five minutes the next time I go up. Ooh, oh, yeah. So wow. it's like... I did my act, wow. but then the next time I was like, I got to do all new stuff. I burned it. Everyone heard it. Uh, Everyone heard it. No one. I can never do any of those jokes ever again. Oh, wow. There was no one there to be like, no, you do those jokes again. Yeah, right. you work on them. It's a craft. What pressure? Oh but, you man. Know, if you don't I never know, think about that. Like podcasts were such a huge asset when I was starting. Yeah, just to hear other, you know, like you said, experienced com- comedians tell you what it was like starting out, what you need to do, what the steps are as m- as much of steps there can be. Right. right. It's very unregulated, yeah. So, but yeah, there are yeah. some, yeah. It's sort of the podcasts have kind of taken the place of the connection to the older comics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because people can be like, yeah, and then I'm, you know, you can say how long, you know, I'm five, seven, ten years in the comedy, and then people are like, oh, I should listen, because I'm four. So mm-hmm. I should, I, yeah. they, they're like right in front of me, so they'll probably have things that 
will apply to what I'm going through. Right. Yeah. It's easy to kind of find that information. I think it's useful. And I think it makes I think it makes comedians better. Honestly. Yeah. I have a question yeah. uh, because you've, you've found like great success with acting. You're a great actor. And you're also a great comic. Um, Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you're like you're great at podcasts. Yeah. You're <laughs> just can already fucking see. great. Um, <laughs> do you like one more than the other? Um, you know, they're both very different. I, um, I always wanted to be a stand-up, and I didn't know that when I was in high mm. school. Mm. I didn't know that that was the feeling I felt when I was watching comedy on TV, when I was watching Comedy Central, and I was watching these you know, late-night sets and specials and just... I wanted to be a person on stage saying things. Yeah. And then I saw theater... And I was like, it's the same. And then I kind of went to that, right? So then I studied acting because um, I, you know, I, I thought that, you know, a lot of the comedians that I loved were acting. So that must be the same thing. Mm. You know, Robin Williams or, you know, um, Whoopi Goldberg or Lily Tomlin or Richard Pryor, they're actors. Right. You know, so that's, if I do that, then I can do this other thing. Mm. I didn't know that they actually came out of stand-up. Oh, right. gotcha. I was too young. You know, I didn't know that they were comics and then they became actors because they were so funny. I just like, oh, they, they all that's at the same time because I don't know. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have IMDb to be like, oh, and they made this special in 78 and then this movie was <laughs> eight years later, I see. And then they got an agent and then right. I had no idea. Right. Um, so I, I studied acting and uh, I went to performing arts high school in Vegas and then I went to Boston to study acting at Boston University, okay. which is also where I started doing stand-up in Boston. Huh. Do you think stand-up's easier to pursue than acting? It depends on what you believe stand-up is. Mm. Oh, good lord. This is, is going to be an intense oh one, everybody. Let's buckle clenching up. the table. This. <laughs> yeah. It's the same for acting. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can walk down the street, talk and chew gum at the same time, and that is enough for a person to be like, you, in the thing. Yeah. And that's all they have to offer. Uh-huh. So then they kind of get stuck in that loop, if you will, their mm-hmm. type, their box. And it's the same thing in stand-up. Mm. You know, it's very easy to, to get pigeonholed. And then, and then to to look at examples of people that look like you or sound like you, and think, well, I have to be like them. Hmm. That's the model, right. you know. I have to talk about things in the way that this person is. It's, it's that's the other danger. Like it's easier to get examples of how to get in a stand up, but it's also easier to have examples that you think you're just supposed to do hmm. instead of finding your own way. You know, right. kind of I guess taking all these influences and all your experiences and anything that you're interested in and tying it together to become whoever you're going to become eventually instead of doing an impersonation. Like I had a young comic friend of mine. Um, he did a show and he kind of, you know, he has an interesting challenge for himself when he's on stage. And um, some of you might know him, so I'll not say his name. Okay. <laughs> but um, he's a young black comedian. And he did a show and uh, and it was uh, the host was also black. And I guess he did his set, and then he came off, and the host went, well, he's not going to be the next Kevin Hart. And it's an uh, insult, right? Oh, but man. this comic was telling that to me that he felt bad for the host. Oh, because wow. that host thinks that Kevin Hart is the only example. Yeah, right. He's like, you yes. know what? You can't be the next Kevin Hart, because Kevin Hart is, is already it, Kevin yeah. Hart. Yeah. 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 So and he's Kevin Hart so hard. <laughs> so oh, he's yeah. killing it at there being Kevin Hart. He's changing the T to D. <laughs> He's going to be Kevin, Kevin hard. hard. So hard. Kevin's Kevin so hard. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's but that's, that's the thing, you know, it's again, and again, it has to do with when I talk about the industry pits us against each other. Yeah. They kind of give us examples of, because look, you see the people that are get that get ahead and get the stuff and it's attractive because you want to pay your damn bills. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it's, you're so concerned with getting a job that you're not 
thinking about what kind of job you want to have right. in the first place. There's a friend of mine, Liz Mealy, who's a comic in New York, and one time she said to me, you know, I, I was so concerned about working hard that I maybe I wasn't thinking enough about working smart. Mm. And I was like, hmm, interesting. So good. I've heard that so something true. similar to that before, like work smarter, not harder. Yeah, yeah. work smarter, not harder. I love that. What does it mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. well, it totally ties into the whole like living life thing because it isn't smart to just like hunker down at a Starbucks in front of an empty yeah. notebook, which Forever. I have done for five oh, hours yeah. and come mm-hmm. out going like, well, I can't write anything. It's like, yeah. maybe because you haven't breathed any air yeah. in yes. five hours. Yeah. Like, go be a person. And then other yes. people who, you know, live a life and do things and maybe don't get up four or five times a night every single week, but, you know, take a few days and go to Cabo for just vacation. They end up having more to talk about on stage because they've, they've done more. So that's, I think that's smarter, not Mm. harder. Yeah. You have like, even last night. So my boyfriend took me to see Ed Sheeran. He got me like floor tickets. So wonderful. We're celebrating our anniversary. Are you a fan of Ed Sheeran? I, yeah, you okay. know, he's good. That'd be weird <laughs> uh, if he's like, weird. I'm <laughs> taking you to something I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Just be happy with it. Be grateful. You're coming. Um, but yeah, no, like on the way, we're like lifting over, and I'm like, oh, I, I thought of like a bit idea that had just happened to us. And I like grabbed him up my phone. He was like, what do you have? I was like, oh, I'm writing something down. I'm like, I'm not, I need to stop. Like, I need to just put this away for the night and mm-hmm. just enjoy my life. My boyfriend's trying to do something nice for me. Yeah. I'm not going to look at this shit right now. I'm just going to have a good night. But it took work. Like, I had to, yeah. I had to like turn my brain off. Like, okay, you can finish that later. Or maybe you'll forget about it. Who fucking cares? But, like, right. please just, like, try to be present in the moment. Enjoy your life a little bit. Because it's so easy to get wrapped up in, like, must yes. always be working. Yes. Bing, bing, bing. Um, but, yeah, no, I've, it's a constant struggle. But to bring it back to the kind of the theme of self-help. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it's very easy to have what is an addictive relationship with comedy. Oh, yeah. It's very easy to fall into the groove of feeling like you always have to kind of be thinking of things and always have to writing th- be writing things down. Right. Um, that the faucet is always on. Mm. Yes. But then what happens if the faucet is always on? You're going to get, get a leaky faucet. <laughs> you know, your faucet going to be oh, leaky. Man. Yeah. I feel it's like I'm to, suffering from a little know, leaky faucet. Yes, but when you turn yeah. off that faucet, next time you turn it on, you're gonna have some good flow. Oh, I wow. like that. Turn off the faucet. Once turn off the faucet. <laughs> Anybody out there with a t-shirt press? <laughs> but turn, turn off, off the, the faucet. Turn off the faucet. Oh, and, my and, spell, so and spell good. faucet with like you can turn it in like a piece of art. Like the F could be like an actual faucet, <gasps> like yeah. a sink oh, faucet. That is great. That, we need to find. We need Someone to make that. It Post up. it. Yeah. Yes. Post what it. if you don't have a faucet, but you have just one of those like tide pools at like a water park where it's just like. <laughs> Constant, and it just like you take so much to shut it up, you know. I don't yeah. know. I don't know I like if you it. have something for turn me for that. Turn off the tide pool. Turn off the tide pool. All right, yeah. shut it down. Shut, um, it, down. shut it down. Do you have a strong relationship with self help? Like, is there a certain self help book that you really love? Do you kind of like not dabble with it? What, what's or like your a method philosophy? Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, well, you know, it's interesting because self care, you know, is is a is a phrase in specific that I I prefer, I guess, over self help. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Because. Self-help, it kind of denotes like that there is a problem that needs to be helped. Mm-hmm. Okay. It kind of, it's almost like a, it's almost like an, in it, that phrase in itself is negative. You know, it's because mm. it's kind of like saying um, non-smoker. Mm, where it's right. just sort of like um, yes. you've, you've, you've had to bring up the issue of smoking. 
Yeah. And smoking is something that you, you're defining yourself by something you don't do. Right. Got it. So self-help is almost like defining yourself by... Like a virgin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. Is that... I've um, never been a Is virgin. that Reagan on that poster? Um, like Ronald Reagan. I honestly have no idea who that is. I should know. Here. Just like a lot of like... That's Fred and like Stare and yeah. white, white people from like the twenties yeah. on these walls. That's why I think they're Ronald Reagan and Fred Astaire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they all look the same. Oh, that's I Henry don't Winkler really and know. Robin Williams right there. Oh yeah, that is. Oh, that's Ron Howard. Yeah, that's left. a that's, that's a good happy, little photo right days, there. Right? Oh, the Happy Days. Oh, yeah. Happy duh, Days. That's right. Yeah. yeah, for our listeners, we record at the Paramount lot. Yeah, so, so that's yes. why We're there are pictures of around of. Uh, yeah. of so there's a Paramount of different uh, posters in here. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Oh like boy. Puns. Uh, so what the heck was I? What the heck was I talking about? Oh, oh self help. Well, yeah. yeah, you like to use self improvement. You like that term. I like self better. So we better get that. Help. Yes. Yeah. Agree. Because it's like self help. It's like you need help. So it's almost like you're yeah. saying that you are a problem that needs help. Right. Self-care, self-improvement I also like. That's a good one, too. It just it's, – it's a place to move toward in whatever pace you need to. Right. Yeah. Whereas right. self-help is like, oh, i got to figure this out real quick. Right. In some sort of way. Um, so I kind of, you know, have um, a lot of different things that I believe. Uh, you know, I was raised – um, religious. I was raised Southern Baptist. Mm. Um, so I've always been not necessarily, um, I guess you could say, not necessarily a fan of organized religion as much as what it is that religion brings people. Mm -hmm. um, right. That I do think it's healthy to have um, a belief, something that you believe in. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, God. It could be community, mm -hmm. right? You know, something bigger than yourself. Yeah, right? it yeah. could be flowers. You know, <laughs> it, it could be yeah. dogs. Um, I think there's something to be gained from some service or devotion mm. in your life. Yeah. Not saying that I have all those things in place. <laughs> I'm still learning, you know, and I'm still yeah. seeing that, like, you know, maybe it is actually a healthy thing to kind of have that, to kind of at some point stop thinking about yourself or worrying about yourself and use that self to extend um, kindness or affection to someone outside of that self, mm, if that well, makes any so sense. Nice. Right. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of different things I've, I believe in, you know, like I said, like I've raised Southern Baptist, so like I... I know a lot of um, the tenets of Christianity. I know a lot of the tenets of Buddhism or Islam or, you know, I've I've drank ayahuasca multiple times. <gasps> yeah, I, I want to hear about I that. Would love to hear <laughs> Can about you talk that? about that? Sure. I've done mushrooms. I've done, you know, like it's kind of, it's, again, I think it's all like, not that it's different roads lead to the same path as much as they're different roads that lead to wherever they're supposed to lead to. Mm -hmm. Right. That essentially you are the planet that has all of the paths. So the end goal what? is just to, <laughs> yeah, I know. You're well, you know, when you so say separate paths to separate um, place, you know, the same place, it, it denotes something that's outside of yourself. Yeah. Like that you're supposed to go a place, but it's all inside you, you mm, I could say. God and right. that's what I mean when you're like, oh, whatever path you're on, it's always a self journey that right. ultimately, you know, wherever you go, there you are. It's always going to be you, ultimately. You're yeah. here or you're there. Right. So yes. ultimately, like, you know, like a theater teacher of mine used to say, you're the, you're the only thing that you walk on and off stage with inevitably. 
Mm. It's yes. always you. You walk on stage. That's another you, great you. quote. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was trying to say to you earlier, but I didn't say it so eloquently. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, I was you're like, always you. You'll be, you'll you're be you forever. Yourself. Don't I worry. Think, I think he said that after he said, when you walk on stage, you risk your ass. <laughs> I think that's what he said first. That's also amazing. <laughs> because he's saying that the stage is a dangerous place. Yeah. So wait, that's yeah. what I said too. No. You never know. It's like <laughs> a light could ass. fall on your head. That's it. Right. Right. Wow. And that happened to Britney Spears, right? Didn't she have like a light fall on her head? Oh shit! Probably. Probably. Yeah, she's yeah. Been <laughs> she's really had has. everything. That's the last time happened. I heard of that happening, where a lighting fixture fell on a performer. Oh, that makes sense. But maybe it was yeah. years ago. I don't know. Last time I heard about it was in Birdman. That wasn't a real thing. That was in the movie. You didn't see Birdman? No, I didn't. I hear oh, it's good. It's so good. It's pretty, it's pretty I need good. to watch it. Okay, tell us about ayahuasca. Oh yeah, please yes. do. Because I've never. Have you guys done it? I haven't. I haven't no. done anything. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Like I just figured. I, I assumed. Yeah. No, um, but you know, I mean, look. There's there's a bunch of different theories about ayahuasca um, and how to use it. I think that what's interesting about ayahuasca in general. I, I want to say that I was slightly ahead of the curve. Like, I started doing it before it was being more in the public conversation. I feel like it's in the conversation a lot now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of look at it like um, bed bugs in New York, where suddenly bed bugs became a scourge, and there were all these bed bug, you know, like, we're going to get the bed bugs out. But when that happens, of course, there's going to be, half of those people are going to be a scam. Half of those people are going to be fakers. Uh, Half of those people are are selling you an illusion of something. Got it. So I think there are a lot of people who are using ayahuasca, pouring ayahuasca, that are not uh, qualified to do that. I think you have to be really careful with who you, where you go, and how you do it. Yeah, Um, I would imagine so. But even so, I think that ayahuasca itself. Or the tea. It's also sometimes referred to. People will call it the tea or Ooh, the like vine. Ooh. Um, it, it's um, chemically, it's DMT. That's what it is. Okay. So DMT in itself has become popular, but the process of DMT, I guess, because I have not done that, is like I guess you could smoke it and then you have this insane high for like 15 minutes and it's gone. Mm-hmm. So whoa. Um, with ayahuasca, it's a DMT uh, concentrate that is mixed with something else. What Another plant. I don't know. Okay. Oh, I forget what right. the name of it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it is a plant that you can find. And, and they tell you. You just don't remember. Yeah. I mean, They're the, not com- like, the combination. It's a secret recipe. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the combination of those two plants together is ayahuasca. Got gotcha. Okay. So one of them is DMT concentrate, and the other one is something that essentially um, prevents your body from um, processing it too fast. Mm-hmm. So it's not a 15-minute high. It can be four to eight hours. Oh, God. Wow. wow. So wow. with ayahuasca, there's supposed to be a diet that happens, right, where you're not supposed to eat this amount of sugar or this salt or certain meats and stuff like that. And it's because of this other thing. It stops your body from processing certain fats and sugars and things. So you it'll not leave your system like if you have a lot of sugar in your system you'll it'll give you like heart palpitations and you could even oh, like wow yeah people people report the feeling of like i'm going to die like they feel like wow. their body is overloading Holy and it's because whatever it is that processes that stuff and gets it out of your system is inactive because mm. you just drank ayahuasca Wow. Oh, so that's God. the science of that. That's why they tell you, because they tell you, don't do this and don't do that. And people are like, why? Why not? And yeah. then they do it and they have a horrible time and they don't understand why. But I read an article. It's like, here's the chemical. Here's what scientifically is happening. Yeah. Another scientific thing that ayahuasca apparently does is um, your serotonin receptors in your brain. And there's a lot of serotonin receptors in your stomach. 
which I did not know. Really? There's a know. lot of serotonin respect. I didn't know that That's why people get food addiction sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's certain foods that you associate to feeling good. And that, yes. That's the whole point of comfort foods. Right. Right. Mind gut connection. Yes, yeah. Exactly. So what ayahuasca can do is serotonin receptors in your brain that have died or been damaged, it repairs them. So it literally can create more happiness in your life. Whoa. Wow. And that's after, even after you take it? Or is it just for that that high time? It's after. It can last, yeah. Whoa. It's wow. just like, that's what they say about mushrooms as well, is that like it, there's long-lasting, he- like, benefits, like health benefits. Do you feel like you reap those benefits after doing it? Yes and no. Um, I do. Um, but then what happens is, um, the world exists. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you got to go back there. Right. See, that's what happens. It's like, you know, I know a lot of people who are turned off from it because they think it's like, oh, it's a magical thing that's going to fix me. Again, it's not about being fixed. Right. It's about being shown the things that you don't know that you are actively hiding from yourself every single day. Whoa, that's so interesting. Because uh, I was in a place where I knew you could say something was wrong that I was dealing with some emotional problems and some damage and some trauma and some stuff that I know's there, but I don't know what it is and I don't know how to, to deal with it. Okay. And then so I became, I was given information, essentially. And was that like, okay, do you hallucinate when you're on it or is it just like a feeling or like how do you describe the depends. high of it? It, it depends. Be different. It's not one thing. Okay. That's, that's the biggest thing about it is that like it's never the same twice. Interesting. And it, the, like the vomiting that happens, is that purging? Of the purging. Okay. Also, not always going to happen. Oh. It depends. Weird. People get really hung up on that. Right. And I'll tell you right now. So they call it purging. Okay. You could vomit, you could shit yourself. Wow. wow. Crying, sweating, shaking, and yawning. These are the different ways to purge. Okay. But people hear vomiting and shitting themselves, and they go like, well, I don't want to to do that. Right. (laughs) That sounds like a Friday night to me. Now, here's the thing. Um, The vomiting, and I did purge that way, it doesn't feel like um, you you didn't have uh, bad pickles in middle school. It's not like a food poisoning, like, oh, like a retching kind of the feeling of vomiting, which is horrible, which is your body rejecting something. Right. This is almost like your body getting rid of something. Oh. Where it's just like it's coming out of you and you feel better after it happens. It's not like, oh, I'm vomiting and I'm going to feel sick and it's going to continue. Oh, wow. And it's the same with um, shitting yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do that one too? Or is that? I did. Oh, wow. I shit myself. Do you have to like wear, do they tell you like wear diapers or is it just like, hey, if it happens, it happens? Like if it happens, it happens because nobody knows. And I was not expecting it because that had come up earlier that day that like, oh, you know, you might shit yourself. And I thought I was cool with that idea. But inside, really deep down, I was like, well, I really do not want to shit myself. (laughs) If there's one thing I do not want to happen, it's shit myself. (laughs) And then I shit myself. And I laughed because, you know, the weird thing is um, a friend of mine put it this way that like ayahuasca. So there's a lot of different ways of describing the spirit, if you will. Um, uh, the mother who appears to you, who communicates with you. Some people see a very specific image of another being communicating with them. Some people see, feel it. And I had a very physical bot. Like I was a marionette and she was kind of moving my body and using my head. When I ask a question, she would use my head to shake yes or no, but it wasn't me that was doing it. Oh my God. Did she make you shit yourself? 
Yes. <laughs> well, I had to shit myself. So you had no bodily control when that was, you were just like, this is happening now, I'm shitting myself. Well, it, it happens, it doesn't happen randomly. Like, it wasn't like I was like, oh shit, I'm shitting myself. I saw things that were happening, essentially things that were being shown to me, and I had a vision of things that were moving around. I can't go too much into detail of it, but it's like I saw these images of things moving around, and then I saw them kind of go down as if they had been flushed. Okay. Oh, wow. And then I immediately shit myself. Wow. And my first thought was, first of all, it felt great. Whatever <laughs> it was that came out of me, I was like, I, that needed to go. <laughs> oh, my God. And then I started laughing because I was like, I, I was like, you got me. Because you a friend of mine said, me. a friend of mine said that she, the spirit, she communicates you, with you with what you know. So to me, she was hilarious. Right. And yeah. she was like, uh, the way that the conversation, I guess you could say we were having, that was like, it was funny. And so when I shit myself, I was like, oh, you got me. <laughs> you knew I was really afraid of this. You and knew I, I was afraid. And you like, you had, yeah, you, and I'm like, oh, you got me. You got me really good. And are you Mother saying that out loud? Like, you been punked. Um, yeah, yeah, I got punked. Yeah. Got punked by, by the universe. By spirit, yeah. Um, universe. You got galaxied. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, I wasn't saying it out loud. Okay. And can you describe the environment? Are you around other people? Are you by yourself? The Where way that you? I did it, it was a bunch of people in a circle um, in the dark outside in this thing that's like, it's kind of like a wooden um, platform that's like okay. a, a circle and everyone has like your own little bed and um, you have like a little mat if you will uh, like a yoga mat basically and a blanket and it's dark like the ceremony starts at like night like eight nine o'clock okay. right and because it, it can go to two three in the morning and um, there were three shaman and you essentially you know they you came up to them one at a time and drank the tea okay. it takes about like an hour hour and a half for it to start so you kind of you're supposed to have an intention or a prayer something okay. that you ask for that you that is something that you um you you want to understand that you feel like you're stuck on that you can't get past that or that you feel like you need to go into and so you there was a lot of lecturing and a lot of talk about what that could be even okay and i think my first intention my first prayer was um show me who i am mm. which which connects to kind of the stuff that we're talking about when I'm talking about the industry and I'm talking about being pigeonholed and, and who you believe you need to be to make it, you know, I, um, get very confused about who I really am sometimes because I'm being told by 20 people, you should do this and less that, and you're doing that and you're doing that. And I, I really do take in too much feedback sometimes. Right. Yeah. And so yes. I so had just <laughs> Frankensteining yourself. But it's also uh. it, it shows up in my relationships. Mm. It shows up in my family relationships. It shows up in you know in a, in a way and this is something that the person that kind of guided us through all this stuff sort of said um, the way he put it he said trauma is not what um, trauma is not what happened to you but it's how you became disconnected from your uh, self. Uh, oh, wow. From That's... your essence because of that. Mm. Right. This horrible thing happened to you. And sometimes it's not horrible. It doesn't have to be like the worst things. Like everyone's traumatized in some way because you haven't had anyone else's experience. You only have lived your life. Mm-hmm. So, sure, something worse may have happened to the person next to you, but you didn't experience that. Right. right. You've only experienced your own worse. 
yeah. in your own best. So trauma to you. Trauma to you is, is not the same than, yeah. as another person's. Right. But it's trauma if it if it's an experience that makes you go, well, this must be the truth then. It's an experience that gives you a new outlook on life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It could be that somebody did something to you that um, violated you to the point that you no longer feel safe. Yeah. So now you live in a, lo- a little life where you do not feel safe. And that, yeah. it, that's a story that you have in your head. I am not safe. I am mm. not safe. And so every decision that you make is based on whether or not you feel safe. If you're walking down the street at night, mm, I don't feel safe. So you're going to do a different thing. If you are hanging out with a certain person that looks like maybe even talks like, smells like someone who violated you in the past, you're not going to feel safe. Mm. Right? That's so interesting. Right. Yeah. No, so it's like true. you are essentially um, you're stuck in a loop. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're recreating a thing, you know, and we, you know, there's a lot of talk about the phrase triggers these days and people want to avoid triggers. And they used that word when I was down there, this, this doctor, it was a doctor. He was a, you know, a doctor of, uh, he's a palliative medical doctor, you know, he's an MD, but he also, um, is a therapist and kind of works with the population of, of addicts who have had deep trauma and right. he uses a lot of ayahuasca or uses ayahuasca a lot in his therapy to kind of help them connect to whatever the pain it is that they are trying to medicate with heroin, with meth. Right. Because people will treat the addiction, right. which is a substance yeah. and you can get very far with that. Yeah. But if you never treat the emotional need to have ever used that substance in the first place, right. yeah. it, then there's always something else that can come to take the, the place. Yeah, like being They're, a dry drunk. Like being a dry drunk or a workaholic, yeah. for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. Which workaholi- right. workaholism is a real thing. Yes. People yeah. say that in job interviews and they think it's cute. Well, you know, if there's one thing that's probably the worst thing about me is that I'm too good. Yeah. yeah. I work too, I too hard. hard. I work I too, too hard. It's yeah. like, you know, people don't see their kids because yeah. They, yeah. They, they're so afraid to look into the face of innocence. Ooh. Oh my God. That yeah. they go, oh that God. they're like, you know what? I'm just going to stay at work. Yeah. yeah. And then the defense is, I'm, I'm providing for this family. Right. right. You know, I'm doing everything I can. It's like, yeah, but you're not here. You're not actually looking at your child in the face. They yeah. don't know that you care. Right. You're only providing one need. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's nice. But that, but we're America. So money, you know, we have been taught. Right. That is a huge need. Right. It makes the world go round. So it's like it's very easy to prioritize anything that makes you money over all other things. Mm-hmm. Right. But of course that's going to create an imbalance. Of course it's going to create some sort of void. Yeah. Right. It's impossible not to. Right. Wow. So do you, oh, do you yeah, go for it. No. Oh, I was going to say, do you have things that you do on like a daily, weekly basis that sort of keep you grounded and like keep you like knowing who you are and right. keep, like keep you feeling whole and like cared for and centered? Because people have all kinds of stuff, you know? That was going to be my question. Yeah. So. Different yeah. exercise, different diet choices, <laughs> different, you know. Just, well, one of those things is spilling water on myself. <laughs> Just to remind myself that it is 80% of me. (laughs) Um, I don't have a meditation practice. I've meditated. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard. It's really hard. Um, Sometimes the ceremony of ayahuasca is referred to as a meditation, Mm. where you pick a theme, you pick an idea that you want to ruminate on and kind of unpack and maybe see memories or events that are associated to that thing that, like, you made that decision or you went down that road because you were still repeating this thing Mm -hmm. from the past. Um, So 
a meditation, if you have a meditation practice, if you're good at being able to essentially be still and have all of your thoughts and not um, feel uh, freaked out by those thoughts, not feel like, oh, no, like stressed out and anxious Mm -hmm. because of those thoughts where you can kind of see them and let them go and kind of be like, oh, I don't need to. Uh, assume that nothing is going to work out ever again Um, because it's just Tuesday. Maybe I should just (laughs) get through Tuesday and then I can ask myself this question again on Wednesday. Um, So if you have a practice like that, ayahuasca is easier because it's, it, it demands of you a means of surrender that is very hard because you know, we, uh, we have egos and we always want to be in control and we always want to know exactly what everything is. We trust, if you will, the physical tactile environment over all things because it's here. This is a cup. This is my, these are my glasses. It's my wallet. I can touch that. Look at it. I say it and you all recognize it. Mm -hmm. But when it's like the spirit realm, you know, when it's like maybe this thing from 10 years ago that no one else can see because no one else experienced Mm -hmm. is still present. Mm -hmm. It's a harder idea. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, to kind of go to. So people have a hard time letting go into that. And so what happens is, you don't have an experience. Some people drink ayahuasca and they sit there and they just feel nauseous for hours and they don't see anything and they didn't terrible. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's what, if you will, like, uh, you know, we were said, we were told that ayahuasca is a mother Mm -hmm. and a mother always gives you what you need, not necessarily what you want. Right. So if you're too hung up on what you want, you won't get what you need. Oh man! Everything I say, Kelsey. Good to, yeah, Kelsey's like she's Kelsey passed out on the like, floor. Like, <laughs> she's looking at us after every sentence. She's like, Bitch. Kelsey's now unconscious. I'm oh. like so just uh, enchanted by everything you're saying. It's yeah. just really speaking it, to me. It is like good stuff. Yeah, your definition of trauma. I almost yes. want you. Yeah. I will, like I it's want. It's not mine. To, it's not mine. It's one I was told. Well, yeah, but it's. I think that's so important to hear, and I feel like people forget that um, or they don't understand it correctly, and I feel like maybe I haven't even been understanding trauma correctly because I'm constantly just going, well, I wasn't abused as a child, so exactly. I, I shouldn't ever feel badly about hard things yeah. I've gone through. Right. You, you know what I mean? You your own But like sometimes. having it disconnect you from your true self, I was just talking with them about going through it is trauma with allergies where I started to develop allergies to everything around me. And then I went to a doctor who had terrible bedside manner and basically told me like, you need to live your life in a bubble. You can't like, you shouldn't touch any of these things ever again. You shouldn't ever own another animal. You need to live your life like this. And I just, I shut down because I felt like if I did any of that, I would die. Mm. And so I, I grew up like loving animals and like loving food and loving everything and just feeling very free to do all that. And then I shut everything off for like 10 years mm. Mm. and disconnected and became very, very uptight and afraid of everything. Yes. yes. And I hit kind of a breaking point uh, like five years ago and I got a kitten because I just was like, I, I felt this need to reconnect with that person that I knew was there, but I just had been like pushing away for so long. Yeah, and because I, of fear. Yeah, yeah, and I do suffer still with the cats. Like, I, there's no way around it, but it's so worth it to me. Yeah. They don't kill me. I'm not dead because of them. And I just, I deal with whatever congestion I have, but they make me so happy. But that was, I think there's something in me that needed to reconnect 
to who I know I always have been. Well, it's such a it's, weird paradox. Yeah. Yeah. You're, ba- you're basically being told, stop living. Right. Yeah. So you can stay alive. Stop experiencing yeah. things. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, not a, that's not a plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's just... It's bubble child. I mean, I felt like bubble child for so long. Mm. And I still do in a lot of ways. And it's very stressful. But like. And it, I would assume that it um, creates a sense of isolation as well. Yeah. A feeling like people. Like, nobody else can fully understand what I'm going through, and, mm-hmm. like, I have to live my life differently than other people, and I feel like a burden a lot of the time mm-hmm. because I'm inconveniencing people, and it's just... And I would assume that some of those thoughts play a part in who you know and where you go. And yeah. how close you let people get. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Kira, we just had Kira, like, read our energy in our palms, and she's like, I feel like you're open, but there's this other big part of you that's like, stay out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> keep out. <gasps> Bye. And so, yeah. Right. Right. And so that's weird. hard to live with. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And it's a hard thing to balance because it means that, you know, a, a kind of uh, there's a fear and a, and a shame, if you will, that, yeah. are, that are at the core and informing you in a way that is just it's not it's not tenable. Mm. They can yeah. only go. So it breaks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's like I hate myself for something I can't control. Like I yeah, hate right. my body, but it's that's not fair fair i mean i didn't absolutely and i'll be self-destructive like i intentionally ate something before a big show in new york that i was like this might give me a reaction i might not but like i'm craving it and i'm sick of only eating shit that i know is safe yeah even if it doesn't sound good and i ate it and i did start to have a reaction i was like well fuck like yeah i thought this might happen and it is but i just wanted to like be normal i just wanted to go that sounds good so i'm gonna eat that and Mm. not care so. Yeah, so, and that so the, the, when you say that you want to be normal, yeah, it means that you believe that you're not, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's what you are carrying is that you are not normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's oh a lot. Walk yeah. around feeling like a weirdo. That's, yeah. a, that's a load. That's very heavy. Yeah. 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 That's a very heavy load. Yeah. <laughs> this has been like. And a here's my heavy load. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but this is the way that this dude. I mean, I'm telling you, when we were down there, we had this guy was processing us like that. Yeah. yeah. And saying because what happens is every single time, the power of dissociation is very strong. Right. When yeah. you when someone starts saying things to you that you just. It's making you think about yourself or your actions in a way that you haven't. Your brain starts going, like, you're like, wait, what, what? Yeah. And I saw it happen to every person in the circle where he's, he's like, on the verge. And he's got this person to where they're on the verge of seeing what their shit is. Yeah. Right. And they just can't go that extra step. And everyone is like, oh, my God, it's this. Why can't you go? And then when it was my turn, I did that. Mm-hmm. When it was my turn, I was like, and I'm like, wow, everyone, I'm like, I just had this experience watching 10 people. So now everyone is looking at me and being like, wow, Baron, it was almost there, but he does not know because yeah. wow. it's, it's, it's all the stuff that we block from ourselves. Right. That's what I mean when I say it's the stuff that you are actively repressing at all moments mm, that wow. you don't know. It's, it's so embedded in your personality. You could even say that when I say like, you know, trauma disconnects you from your essence from yourself what happens is that now you it it creates a story it -hmm. creates a story like i'm not normal yeah that you now carry with you yeah and it becomes so embedded in every decision and action that you make that you don't even know that it's there 
So is that like a is that like a survival thing? Is that like we got to yes. block all this shit out absolutely. so we don't? Yeah, that's we absolutely can get right. Through our life, or yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, that's what he would say. This doctor, he would say that like give yourself credit for doing this in the first place, right? Because you you made it. Yeah, you were in a hard place, and this is who you had to be to get through it, and you did it. Right, yeah. that place is gone. Uh, You're yeah. not in the past anymore. You have to let that go. And, and it's hard. Yeah. Because we, and you, you create these, you know, these ways of dealing with the world because you have to survive a difficult situation. But then you embed that in yourself so much that once you leave the difficult situation, you don't know how not to be in survival mode. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it creates, what happens is it actually continues to create a situation where you have to survive it. Because that's where right. you're comfortable. Now. That's where you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why you rewrite the story. Or you, you self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Mm. Because we have to, we, uh, I need things to feel like home. So let me put some minds up. Yeah. It needs to feel like a minefield for me to feel comfortable. Yeah. And then you subconsciously, or I'll say I, because that is a thing that I do. Mm-hmm. I subconsciously start to kind of create things that I know will break. So that way when they break, I go, oh, I'm such a shitty person. And, that's, and then I feel like myself. I feel familiar. Uh, then I feel like right myself. the familiarity exactly. of it. Yeah, you that disappoint like, yourself. Exactly. That's, you're like I knew I would. Because that's this. my story. Yes. Is that is that deep down in some way I'm a disappointment. Right. Or I'm going to let people down. Yeah. And that's the thing that was embedded in my every action, where I wouldn't let people come too close to me. Or if they were too close, then I would be like, well, something must be wrong. Right. Mm. You know, they don't know that I'm broken, so they'll find out uh, eventually. Right. And then they'll be disappointed, and I'm, I'll be right. Yeah, and that's such a thing like comics do too. It's just that whole thing of like I'm broken, I'm fucked up, and that's why I'm funny, and it's all connected, and you lose it. Yeah, (laughs) thank you so much. (laughs) This is what this is one of the things that I talk about with my therapist, who used to be a comic. Right. Yeah. Because interesting dynamic. Take about it. Think about it like this: Say there's a comic who is a hundred pounds over overweight. And they have 30 minutes of fat jokes. Mm-hmm. And then their mm-hmm. body is starting to deter- deteriorate. And a doctor says, you're going to have a heart attack if you don't lose this weight. And that person might go, it took me a really long time to get that 30. Yeah. Yes. If, I lose that, if I lose this weight, I'm going to have to lose these fat jokes. And, and then am what am I going to yeah. do? Right. Yeah. Because as you know, it's so hard to get material that works. Yes. Oh, yes. They're like, oh, it's a joke that works. And I go on stage and people go like, oh, this person's not funny. And then you say things and they laugh and you're like, ha I win. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's hard to get to that place where you have five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, yeah. 60 minutes of that. Mm-hmm. So then when someone's like, you got to change your life so that way you don't have 60 minutes. Right. You'll be like, what? But that's my job. Yeah. yeah. That's my life. And that's how you become John Panette. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Huh. So it's like. That same thing, because, you know, there's a romance about, quote-unquote, um, edgy, broken comics. Yeah, tortured artists. Who are tortured, and, it, yeah, and that's right. fine. You know, I, I think that I, uh, some people are that, that they had that damage, and this is the only way that they can communicate it. The danger becomes in, okay, this kind of brings me back to the quote in a sort of a way. I'm a cannibal consuming my own life. I think I heard once Lewis Black describe... Um, doing stand-up as you're playing a character on stage, even though the character is you. If you think about all the different aspects of your personality as slices of a pie, your stand-up comedy character is two or three of those slices exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the filter that you put everything through to get your jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The yes. danger to me, what happens is that comedians become their filter. 
yes. we are so we are constantly looking at things through that lens to try to get a bit out of it that it just becomes the way we see things. Yeah. And so anything outside of that filter gets minimized and minimized and minimized. And then suddenly we can't not be our characters. Mm. If you have like a dark negative sort of vibe, then suddenly you're just going to be that person all the time and you don't have an existence. Like for instance, like, um, I don't know what your experience is with Jeff Ross, for instance, anytime I've talked to him, he's the nicest guy I've ever met. Yeah. Anytime. So he saves all that on for stage. Yeah. That's not who he is. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that separation of who he is on stage and who he is in life, I bet you is awesome for him. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you for people who have no idea he's a comedian that meet him are just like they don't have that association. They don't go like, Oh, this guy's gonna rip me apart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The nicest. And also, he has this kind of almost like childlike joy to him where he just seems like things are just happy and good. And it, it is such a juxtaposition from the roast master. Yeah. And so all the darkness and negativity and cynicism. Right. He yeah. saves. Right. For the stage. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel like used to be more of the norm with performers. Like you had this, you know, character you done on stage and then you had your private life. And now with like social media and needing yes. to be so, you know, on all the time, uh, right? on and available to this audience you're building. It's like, and with just like so much comedy being available in terms of like the more personal you are, the better it is because yeah. then the less likely you are to like, have crossover material or for yes. people to be like you stole that for me like stuff right. like that so you're just you're just being pressured all the time to put more and more of yourself into the filter like yes. you were saying and at a certain point you like run out of stuff to talk about so you just start feeding like uh-huh. your personal relationships into the filter your family yeah. like your mental health like your self-care yeah. like all that stuff just goes into creating the character yeah your brand yeah Yeah, your brand now my therapist used to write jokes for and open for rodney dangerfield wow he's been around right yeah he did letterman and he's like he's a real comic wow he did (laughs) he might have started doing stand-up around the same time as george lopez Uh um but Totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> oh, Open your, for Rodney. Your brand, yeah. Rodney was a dark guy. Yeah. yeah. Rodney was a very dark, dark guy. And because he actually told me to get Rodney's um, autobiography. And he's like, it, he's pretty honest about his depression. He's pretty honest about his anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you can feel that. I mean, like, look, there are all these comedians who um, are considered to be, you can name any comedian that is considered to be one of the best comedian and they had some intense darkness right. look richard pryor is one of my favorite comedians of all time right yeah. he was not the best dude yeah right. a lot of his act is about beating his wives yeah. about addiction yeah. about this but he was honest about it and he also kind of talked about it from this perspective of i don't i'm damaged and i'm trying to get better yeah. So it's like there was a trust and a, you could tell that, at least for me, like there's a love to him. But it's like, yeah, he did do these things. You yeah. know what I mean? That's almost what's that's one of the things that's like really bad about Cosby, for instance, is that yeah. he it's not only that he he um, did all these horrible things, but he lied to us. Right. Yeah. He lied. It's like he lied, looked in our face and lied to us. And now we're finding out like this man not only 
be- has done horrible things but betrayed my trust. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this extra level of we've been lied to by a man who said he was great and wholesome and yeah. we aspired to be like, and it turns out this entire time he was a freaking monster. Right. Yeah. And it, 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 <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm still upset. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Never, I'm never gonna not be upset. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's like, you know, or Bill Hicks, for instance, who I love, but he was a very angry man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had a lot of anger to him. And I think that he was pr- trying to work on that and process that, you know. But it's also like his story is he was never accepted by the people of the country that he lived in because he loved America and he wanted to expose the hypocrisy that was ruining this country. And people took it as you are saying bad things about America. Right. right. So for him, it's like, it's, he's stuck in this place of like, no, I, th- I love this place. This is why I talk about these things. Right. So there, but then at the same time, like he would yell, get into yelling fights. When you see these videos of him like cussing Screaming. out people in yeah. the audience, yes. it's like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> I would not want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think some of us have probably seen comics do that and been like, "All right, never gonna talk to that person again." Yeah, like, wow, that's a scary side I've never seen of that person. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. the way people react to uh, hecklers, I think, like, it can really show you a lot about that person. Where somebody will just snap, and you're like, "Wow, there's a lot of anger deep down." Yeah, it didn't take that much. Boom. Yeah, exactly. If someone woos zero to sixty, they just jump down their throat. Yeah, hey, shut the fuck up. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Ooh, they were excited. Jeez, Michael Richards, we had no yeah. idea. <laughs> exactly. I just thought you had floppy hair. <laughs> <laughs> floppy hair. Oh man. Well, we're we're there. So. Oh wow. We got so interesting. Any last questions? My God. Thank you so oh God. well. Thank just you so much. You yeah. imparted I'm happy so to be much. Here. That was good. <laughs> I mean, shit. No, like, I love how. Here and unpack everything. Yeah, like you I'm said. processing what you said, like what you had just said. Yeah. Like, fuck. That this was, was our easy episode all we did was sit here and go oh, oh my god yeah. i just like yes thank yeah. you for yes. taking the wheel and just Look, yeah. sharing with I us i got a bs in bs <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy for me but um, um, the light riff task anything that you want to plug currently about anything that you're doing um, or yeah say? i got this fan at home that is should be on so i want to plug that oh in my um, god. Wow. i'll go anything i want to plug go. um yeah. yeah i mean you know, check out Grace and Frankie and um, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And if you're Los Angeles, I have a monthly show here called The New Negroes that's at the UCB on the fourth Sunday of every month. Great. Awesome. And awesome. where can people find you online? Uh, BaronVaughn.com. Awesome. That's mm-hmm. a nice ring to nice. it. Nice. Um, I'm at Kelsey Cook on Twitter, Kelsey Cook Comedy on Instagram, and KelseyCook.com for tour dates. Mm-hmm. TTomComedy.com and at Taylor Tomlinson on Twitter. DelaneyFisher.com at Delaney Fisher across the board. Yay. Um, and yeah. please subscribe to Self Helpless on iTunes and give us a five star rating and review. And uh, go like our Facebook page. Yeah. And I think that's it. Yeah. And enjoy it. your lives. Enjoy your lives. Right? Enjoy your lives. <laughs> oh, that, I feel so good. I feel like my soul's been cleaned out. Yes. <laughs> nice. I feel like that's I metaphorically cleansing. shit my pants. Yeah. yeah I really did. All right. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Why won't it let me be? Look inside and try to find But every time it seems I lose my mind My mind Oh, I It's Self-Helpless with Kelsey Cook, Delaney Fisher, and Taylor Tomlinson.